Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. (laughs) That's right. That's good enough. (laughs) Oh boy. Let's dive in. Today's guest is a first-generation Chinese-American. Today, we're going to talk about fitting into American culture and his life's marathons. Christopher, welcome. I read that you love asking people, what are they passionate about? So I wanted to flip that question on you. Yeah, I'm down for anything. Tell me about your hobbies. Well, I mean, usually I'm like my mom. Once I get into something, I'll dive right in. And I I go head first. When I started getting into hockey as a kid, I dove straight into hockey. When I fell in love with uh, water polo, I went straight into water polo. When I went into running, I, you know, I didn't start with like, oh, like maybe I'll just like run and do like a mile or do this just to work out. It's like, no, I'm going to go do a marathon, right? Like it's, it doesn't matter. And, you know, and when I was doing marathons, it was like, oh, I'm going to do as many as I can. And I will do, I mean, I think I did like four in a year and I did, in one other year, I did three in a month. I just do, I just dive right in. So when it came to podcasting, it was like, oh yeah, just dive straight into it. Let's just get it done. I think that mentality has helped because I have all of my episodes scheduled for the rest of the year. And I just started publishing, what, three weeks ago? I'm, I'm already set for three months. Like, it's great. I love that. What advice would you give as far as running marathons? How do you jump headfirst into that? I think it's just, if you want to do it, right, you definitely have to have a plan because marathons definitely are not something you can literally jump into. I mean, you can, it'd be painful, but you can. I mean, you can take the, you know, how I met your mother, Barney Stinson approach. And if you want to do it properly, I think you can probably, you can train for a marathon in three and a half, four months. I love that you jumped right into podcasting because I also jumped right in, but it took me months to publish. I was definitely getting caught up in perfectionism. Yeah, I was the other way. I was ideating for like, no joke, for like 18 months. And in my mind, right, it was like, oh, I need the right equipment. I need a good laptop, right? Like all these procrastination techniques that we I say techniques like you do it on purpose, but just all these ways that we procrastinate to say like, oh, I'm going to do this if I have X, right? But at the end of the day, you just have to start. You just have to get the ball rolling because who cares? Like you'll grow, you'll get better. It's a journey, right? You just need to start. Tell me about your water polo journey. Oh, that was (laughs) short-lived. I mean, I I only really did that in high school. I'm not the strongest swimmer. The guys on the team had been swimming for years, if not, you know, their whole lives. So I was up against people who had been swimming for quite some time before I quite literally jumped into the pool. I think for me, I was what you call a character guy or a heart guy, right? Like on the team where you just really focus on doing everything you can to make sure the team is successful versus kind of pouting there, right? Like you can't, you can't pout there. I've definitely pouted before. I remember one game, I literally got zero playing time. I got no playing time. I think we traveled like an hour or so for this game and each way, 
right? And and on the way back, I was so pissed. I mean, that was maybe teenage angst, but <laughs> it was like, it's like, oh, yeah, a little mad. <laughs> what about hockey? Did you get more playtime? Oh, yeah. Hockey is like my life. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My dad, even though he's not a sports nut, he knew that the Steelers and Penguins were good. So he would bring it up every once in a while. And I stuck with hockey. And then I started playing roller hockey in, I think, junior high. And that stuck so much so that, you know, I have, I still have my sticks. I still have gear. Even though I don't have time to go play, I play around the house with the kids. So my five-year-old, she wanted a stick for her birthday earlier this year. We got her a hockey stick. So she will play around in the house with the pucks and balls and stuff. And then our one-year-old has taken his older sister's stick and he has swung it around. So he's definitely ready for a stick too. So we are ready to go. (laughs) So who needs Nerf guns? Oh, everyone in the house. My wife will get into it too. We have we have little Nerf guns and my wife's actually really good. She's definitely shot me in the face a couple of times. Okay, so when you're five, you get a stick. And when you're one, you get a Nerf gun. Or just whatever. I mean, whatever the kids want to do, whatever they love. I mean, I think that that's a big shift in parenting that we see now, right? Is If your kids have a passion, you just dive right in. You just let them be passionate about it versus trying to dictate what they should be passionate about. Have you seen them passionate about things already? Yeah, I mean, for our daughter, it's actually tougher. And I think she's a multi-passionate like I am, where she'll kind of come in and out of different passions. So for her, she's currently really into beatboxing. So she is practicing beatboxing every day. How did she learn that? I don't know. I think my parents just showed her different videos and she just picked it up. She just started doing it. I saw too that you've taken them to Disneyland. Did she love that? Oh, we are a Disney family. Even being in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? We have the season passes. We have annual passes. That's so cute. I've never taken my kids. Oh my gosh, you're missing out. You're so missing out. How old are your kids? Oh my gosh, I have a 12, 9, 7, and 1. So maybe when the one-year-old's a little bigger, we'll take the whole family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go like when they're like when they're like four or five. That's a really good good time to take them because they're that's when you know memories really start. Tell me about your memories from your childhood. Oh man, I have a terrible memory as far as when it comes to things like events. I have a good memory for random trivia and movies and shows and stuff. Not a good useful memory. But for my childhood, I remember it was interesting from the standpoint that I grew up as a first generation Chinese American and battling between the traditional Chinese culture that my parents grew up in themselves and trying to fit into a Americanized culture. And that only got exacerbated when we moved to where my parents now live in San Luis Obispo in California, the Central Coast, where compared to where we were before, which was up here in San Francisco, and going from very, very diverse to no diversity where it's like 90% white. And so it was very, very interesting from that standpoint because all of a sudden I'm trying even harder to fit in and I almost wanted, not I almost wanted to, I did want to shed my Chinese identity at that point. So it was really interesting, something I'm still dealing with as an adult because there's just a lot of bias that got built into that. 
which I think is something that I'm constantly checking for myself because being in an environment that's all white and trying to fit into that and trying to shed my Chinese heritage and Chinese culture, what ended up happening for me is that I started getting embarrassed by things that were considered Chinese or things that were Asian. Even now as an adult, you know, in my professional career for you know, over 15 years at this point, but I still find myself like meeting people who are Asian American or just even Asian and just being like, oh, I don't like that. And then I have to like catch myself and be like, wait, why don't I like that? Is that because I don't like them as a person or because I don't like them because of their race, because of what I grew up with, right? And so that is something that is very, that, that I have to deal with. That's really interesting. I can't believe you were the only Asian in your class. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, San Luis Obispo there at the time, I think when we moved down, there was like 45,000 people. So it's a small town. And again, primarily white. It's one of those situations where like, oh, you're ethnic, you're from a different ethnicity or race. So you must like own like a Chinese, their family must own a Chinese restaurant here in town, or like, or a Japanese restaurant, or you're, you know, something along those lines. I mean, they've gotten more diverse over the last, you know, 20 years since my parents have moved down there. But um, yeah, it was really interesting. What do your parents do? So my dad is a nuclear engineer, which is why we moved down there. So quite literally, I mean, it's not a rocket scientist, but it's pretty darn close. He's about to retire. And my mom is a retired nurse. Her last position, she was the director of ICU at her hospital. So she's very used to stressful environments. (laughs) Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, growing up with my mom, I would get hurt, you know, you're, you're a kid, you get hurt. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd be like, mom, I got hurt. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Because she started in the ER. And so unless you're dying, it's not an emergency to her. So I, I remember I, I don't know what I did to my pinky, but essentially I fractured it or I like sprained it badly. And you can actually see it. When it first happened, it like swelled like a balloon. It was huge. It was like, I called my mom. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, just put it in ice and you'll be fine. She's like, if it's broken, all they're going to do is they're going to tape your fingers together and, and you have to deal with it. Or you can just let it heal and it's going to do the same thing. Just don't use it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? She's like, she's like, you're fine. Have you explored in your career as well? Yeah. And, and that goes all the way back to college. I think when I was first going, applying for schools to go to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I think most high schoolers don't. And so I was really good at chemistry in high school. So for some reason, I thought I should go into chemistry in college. And high school chemistry and college chemistry are very different things. So that was a mistake. Dropped out of Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Explored a little bit at the community college. I thought maybe psychology maybe architecture, maybe manufacturing. And luckily, like my dad's side of the family, we're, we're a really big family. My dad's one of 10. Luckily, and they're in all sorts of fields. So I got to work with a lot of them over the summers while I was in community college to really kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I la- ended up landing on business management because I still liked the psychological aspects. I really liked the behavioral aspect of people, but I ended up, not wanting to go into psychology because you don't get paid in psychology and it's stressful. So I was like, oh, well, I can go into business and really focus on leadership and change management and organizational development. And that focuses on like 
the behavioral aspect of business, of people. But then when I left, when I graduated, I went to Starbucks because I love coffee and I needed a job. So I became a, a manager at Starbucks. After that, I explored around a little bit. What's your favorite drink at Starbucks? Oh man, I am a fall person. Pumpkin spice all day. You look at my Instagram, like I feel like half the posts from September to November are like pumpkin spice on my stories. So much so that my wife has made homemade pumpkin spice sauce. We'll buy pumpkin spice flavored everything during this season. And I feel like this year it's over the top. I mean, we have found pumpkin spice wafers, pumpkin spice cookies, pumpkin spice sauce, pumpkin spice everything. And I'm buying a lot of it. So <laughs> that sounds amazing. I had a boring Americano today, but I love the cinnamon dolce. Yeah. Cinnamon Dolce, are you uh, a big Christmas person then for the holidays? You love the Christmas cinnamony kind of flavors? I do love cinnamon. Yeah. And pumpkin spice. I actually make pumpkin pie from scratch. Ooh, yeah. If you ever happen to come out this way, I'll ask my wife to make it because I'm so excited. It's going to be my birthday soon. Every year, my wife makes a pumpkin spice cheesecake for my birthday. That sounds like to die for. Yeah, it's so good. Tell me how you met your wife. My wife and I are literally can credit Starbucks for this. When I was a manager at Starbucks, I had transferred to what would end up being the last store I would work at. And I took over this store. I was incredibly shorthanded. So I reached out to my previous district. This new store was in a different district. So I reached out to my previous district and all the managers there. And I said, hey, are there people you can let me borrow? any amount of time, any shifts, I will work them into the schedule because I just need help. And quite a few of them were amazing, sent me people. And one of the managers that I had actually trained and gotten him promoted to become a manager, he was like, oh yeah, I have this shift supervisor. She can, I can let you borrow her for a week. I'm like, awesome. Let me, like, that's great. And so he sent me Marissa, my, at the time did not know would be my future wife. And she worked at my store for a week. And instantly, the first thing, she still does not believe this to this day. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. And she walked out onto the floor and I'm in the back room and I texted that manager. And I said, dude, she is so hot. <laughs> she doesn't believe I did that. Her week came and went. About a month later, I was planning a get together of managers and some supervisors to just go out, grab a couple of drinks, hang out. And I invited Marissa and her manager, again, the manager that uh, sent me her, as well as a number of other managers. And I said, oh, well, I'll pick up your manager, Ben, and you. And then we'll go to the bar and meet everyone else. Long story short, everyone else canceled. No joke. Everyone else canceled. So I texted her. I said, hey, everyone canceled. Do you still want to do this, A? But B, I completely understand if you are not comfortable with just me and you. She said, nope, totally fine. Let's go grab some drinks. And we go to this bar and they had music playing. We started dancing and it was like chemistry was like all there. We were dancing for like a couple hours and we got super close. And I still remember the feeling and I'm like getting butterflies in my stomach again, where like, I just wanted to kiss her, right? Like I was just like, oh my gosh, she's like so gorgeous. She's so amazing. I just want to kiss her, but I can't, like I just, I just can't. I think I dropped her off or it was like the next day. And I'm like, hey, my friend is having a dinner party. 
just hang out, but she's hosting this dinner party. Do you want to come over? She's like, yeah, totally. Like I, I'm having uh, lunch with my friend, but I'll meet you after. It's like, great. And she came to this dinner party and we're, you know, it was late into the night and everyone's just kind of sitting on the couches and I just lean over and like, we just start making out. And, and that was that, like, that was, that was it. One year later, we got married. Once that train left the station, it went. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like you're still in love. Oh yes. We've been through so much and she is an amazing, amazing woman. Aw, that's so sweet. I cannot imagine going to school with two children. Yeah. And especially right now, right? With the pandemic, you know, everyone's doing school from home. And today, for example, actually, was a teacher day where the teachers were off. All the teachers in her school are doing training or, or their own professional development. And so they assigned homework for all of the kids. And normally it's like about an hour and a half of classroom time and maybe an hour of homework for kindergartners, like an hour of homework for kindergartners is insane to me. But because they still need to quote unquote have their hours, the kids still have to have like some sort of a certain amount of hours for instruction per day. They essentially assign like three hours of homework for today. As parents, that means parents become the teachers for three hours, right? And it's already difficult enough to watch your kids, especially if they're younger, especially if this is new for them, to make sure they're paying attention in class and then do homework. But then to also say, hey, make sure they do about three hours of homework on this day. It's like your whole day is shot. We've been spreading it out all day. Do you feel like your parents are proud of you? Yeah. I know my mom has actually recently said that she is, you know, shining a little light on, you know, where I am professionally. I, I got laid off earlier this year from my talent development job and I went into recruiting and my mom has even told me, she's like, yeah, my friends will ask me if I'm worried about my son, you know, you not having a job. And I always tell them no. And they ask why, because Chris will figure it out. He has the ambition to figure it out. And I know he's going to get like, he's going to make it work. I know my parents are proud. Um, and I think that they just don't, they won't come straight out and say it. And I think it comes from them being, you know, from being immigrants and being Chinese, like that culture is not very forthcoming about emotion. Funny story about that is when I was in college, I realized that my parents rarely, if ever said, I love you to me and my brothers. And so I started, I was like, I made a decision in college. I'm like, I'm going to start saying I love you to my parents whenever I say bye to them or whatever, in whatever setting. And I remember that being very awkward <laughs> at the start. They're being like, why are you saying this to us? Like, <laughs> but now it's, it's routine. I love that you got them to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that I think maybe I needed. What's coming up for you? Talk about the podcast. Yeah, so I've got my podcast. It's called Leading People First, available on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. And really it's focused on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. Because as individuals, we all devote so much time to work, right? At least a third of our day to work. And so it has a very strong effect on our personal life, right? As much as we want to say leaving work at work and our personal lives at home, that's just not the case. So the way that we can make individuals' lives better is really by focusing on 
leaders and them stressing and prioritizing people as individual people and recognizing them as a whole, not just them as people at work. And there's decades of study at this point that show that if you focus on the human side of work, you will have happier, more engaged, and more productive and more profitable employees. I talk with leaders from all over the globe, any industry, any level of the organization, because leadership can come from anywhere from you know, bottom to top. So talking to whoever I can about leadership and though, especially those who are focused on people first before process and profits and clients. I release episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you can follow me on Instagram, leading people first, and on LinkedIn, leading people first. Love it. I actually like could send you so many people if you're interested. I, you did tell me that you're booked through the end of the year, but maybe I'll just make a couple introductions. Yeah, I would love that. Even though I'm booked the rest of the year, that's just my publishing schedule. I'm completely open to conducting the interviews. And as long as they're okay with the interviews being released into the new year, I'm totally down for it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for connecting. This was amazing. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for letting me ramble for an hour. <laughs> Let's hear from my daddy. Uh, this is a story about Chris. What's very interesting is that you can see the correlation that you can't assume things. You have to be able to experience them. He comes from a very large family. He comes from very two intelligent uh, parents, but he also learned that he tried certain things out that he loved and was passionate about. He tried other things he didn't see that he was so good at, but wanted to be part of a team and root, root the team on and play his role. He also figured out that just because he was good in chemistry, that you can want to major in that in college from high school, and it's not the same. It can be quite a uh, uh, different and again exponentially tougher and you have to really have the passion for it he didn't have it but he did find out that he likes to be with people he likes to be where he can obviously be able to stand on his own two feet and be able to make a living so if you want to go into understanding people and their nature just doing it in psychology there's a lot of people take psychology classes I've taken psychology classes, but I took psychology classes to gear me towards business because when I went to school, I majored in engineering and business and in psychology as well and pre-law classes. And you'd say, well, Wayne, what the heck? You just, uh, just undecided on what you want to do. On the contrary, being diverse and having many different experiences and many different tools to work with, you are able to pivot and adjust to life maybe much better than those that just study one thing or do one thing. And after being out of work, he says, hey, what I'm really passionate about is understanding the psychology of people, but towards the leadership in business. And now he's even gonna do a podcast where he's gonna actually use all of his experiences and be able to show that he can help people and be able to have people in the workplace better coordinated where they can be more productive and, and where they feel like they're part of whatever network that they're in. 
isn't it funny how Marvin Rose and Wayne, part of Metalite's business for over 45 to 50 years, we treated our employees if they had problems. We took a personal interest in their problems, whether it was a sickness or whether it was if they needed to borrow money or whether they had to take a little extra time off and swing the, where we'd have a, a vacation schedule based on when people could really go and not where it was just uh, mandated a uh, when you go, having our family picnics, having our Christmas party, having where we would sing together and where we would work together. And as you know, your father worked hands-on uh, right with all of his men and where my dad also took a personal interest in everyone in the company. And by doing that, you then create a family environment where everyone is plugging together and feeling part of, of, uh, of the network and being part of the team and that we all play our parts to make the enterprise a winner. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Ren 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.